Okay, so John 21 and verse number 16, he saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Let's pray together. Father, I pray in your name that you would bless now, Lord, as I preach your word. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see how Peter struggled in moving from his phileo love to agape love. Lord, I pray you would examine our hearts. Lord, if we are struggling in an area where we're having difficulty in maturing as believers simply because we don't feel it, Lord, I pray that you would use this sermon, use this truth to move us from a phileo Christian to an agape Christian. I pray the truth would be very clear as we look at the life of Peter. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's an interesting passage where Jesus comes to Peter. We talked about last week how it says in beginning in verse number one, this is all one continuous story that Jesus comes and he shows himself to his disciples again. It says on the Sea of Tiberias and the disciples are out fishing. There are seven of them there in the boat. And Jesus shouts to them when they're there in their boat. They hadn't caught anything after they'd been fishing all night long. He said, throw your net on the other side. And so they throw the net on the other side of the boat when they're fairly close to the land and they have this enormous amount of fishes that is caught in their net and they drag it to the land and they, and they come to, when they come to land, they have a meal with Jesus. He tells them to come, to come and dine. And it says in verse number 14, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So after they had dined, it says in verse number 15, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, when you look, this question came after Jesus showed himself alive to his disciples three times, but he eventually gets personal with Peter. Your faith is personal, but it is not private. It's interesting that Jesus is having this conversation with Peter, but the others are there around. They're watching. Perhaps they're listening as well. And Peter, when he denied Jesus three times, that was something that every one of these guys knew about. They knew that he had done that. Matter of fact, the apostle John was actually there in the courtyard with Peter and had seen Peter do this. But Jesus asks him this question, lovest thou me more than these? Now, if you just think about the question, he's saying, he's talking to Peter and he's saying, do you love me more than these? Now, there, there's, there's two things to kind of define here. One is the word love. 
Do you love me? And he's using the Greek word agape, which is this self-sacrificing, this deep abiding love that we often go to John 3.16 as understanding what this kind of love is. We can also go to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go over there real quick as we get into this sermon. 1 Corinthians 13, if you're looking for um, a simple definition of God's love, John 3.16 is very easy to find, very easy to understand. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's not a feeling kind of love. That's the Greek word phileo, right? This agape love is this, this decision. What is What would love do in this situation? Whether I feel it or not, the question is, what would love do? And love would send Jesus Christ to die for our sin. That's what God's love would do. So that's what God's love did, right? But then as we begin to break it down a little bit further in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's, it uses the word charity, which is the same Greek word as agape. So in the King James Version, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says charity does this and charity does that, but it's the same Greek word as agape. And that's the same word that Jesus is using here when he's asking Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me, Peter? Okay. So 1 Corinthians 13 says this in verse number four, charity suffereth long and is kind. The word suffereth long means to suffer long and to suffer long again. So it means to suffer long and to suffer long. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a double right there. Um, and that's what it means. Uh, whereas if you go to like the phileo love, suffering can only go so far and then the feelings change and then it stops. Uh, but agape doesn't do that. It doesn't stop, right? God's feelings, listen, God, God does not love us based on his feelings for us. God loves us because God is love. God is agape love. He is long suffering. Charity suffereth long and is kind. It, it is extremely patient, but it also is kind, meaning it acts in a kind way. It doesn't necessarily mean it feels kind. It acts kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not selfish. Sometimes phileo love can be very selfish. It can be very selfish. Agape love's not selfish. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Verse six, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Agape love rejoices in the truth. God's agape love is guided by the truth. Verse seven, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Here's a question, guys. Did Peter's love for Christ fail? Yes. When did it fail? <clears throat> it failed about a week or two weeks ago in this passage when Jesus was being arrested and he was confronted three times and accused of being a disciple of Jesus. 
And on three occasions, he said, I don't even know Jesus. I'm not one of his disciples. We're going to look at that story in more detail in just a moment. But Jesus comes to him and he says, do you agape me more than these? Now, we've, we've examined the word agape, this agape love. But now if we go back to John 21, he says, lovest thou me more than these? One commentator says, there is a slight ambiguity here in the original as there is in our translation. The word these may be in the neutral gender and refer to these things. Do you love me more than these things? He had just come off of his fishing boat. Peter, do you love me more than these fish, than, than your fishing implements? Do you love me more than these things? And guys, listen, that is a question we have to ask ourselves when we follow the Lord. Can it be that sometimes we love things more than we love him? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We can love things more than we love him. The Bible says, love not the world. That's agape love. We can have a self-sacrificing love to be a part of whatever is going on in the world. We can love the world. We can give that agape love to things. God doesn't want that agape love to go to things. He's asking Peter, lovest thou me more than these but also it could refer to perhaps the other apostles. Do you love me more than others? Do you love me more than these other men? Meaning by comparison, do you love me more than these other men love me? And again, the reason why he would ask that question is because he had exaggerated his love to Jesus. Now we're gonna take a few moments and we're gonna spend a little time here in Matthew chapter number 26. Now in the story, Jesus goes back and forth with Peter. Do you love me more than these? He asks him. And Jesus, Peter says, you know that I love you. But he responds back with the phileo. Meaning, Jesus, you know that I really have strong affection for you. I really, really like you. But there is a sense of humility now where Peter recognizes, I don't really love you the way that I claimed to love you back in Matthew chapter number 26. So let's look at this, Matthew 26 and verse 33. Now notice in verse number 30, and when they had sung a hymn, I'm in Matthew 26 and verse 30, when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Now they're about, Jesus is about to go into Gethsemane and pray. Jesus is about to be arrested, right? He's about to go through his several trials, his mock trials. He's about to be crucified. And Jesus is, he's telling the disciples, I'm about to be arrested. He's trying to prepare them. Verse 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter has this huge boast in verse 33. Jesus is telling him this prophecy is about to come true. Okay. And, and, 
And in case we think that we wouldn't do what the other disciples did, I'm pretty sure we would be right there too. Okay, they were scared. Jesus had just been arrested by the Roman government and they knew what that meant. And they were scared and they, and they ran off, okay? Now, they all ran off and that's what Jesus is saying here. But on the same sense, Peter is trying to really overcompensate and he has this big boast of his fidelity for the Lord and his love. He says in verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. So you can see why Jesus in John 21, when he confronts Peter, he says, hey, Peter, do you really agape me more than all of these? You see that? You see where Jesus goes straight to the heart of the issue? We're going to look at the transition from being a phileo Christian. Jesus is here trying to identify and say, Peter, you're about to go through a trial and it's going to knock you down. And Peter tries to overcompensate from the warning of Jesus. And we're going to look at in steps of Christian maturity, how do we go from being a feeling Christian where we follow him because we feel it, which, by the way, is very much a sign of spiritual immaturity. Spiritual maturity gets to the point where when I don't feel his presence, I still love him. When I read my Bible and I don't feel him speaking to me, I still love him. When I pray and I don't sense that he hears me, I still love him. When I'm out and I'm tempted and I don't sense that he's there with me and helping me. When I don't feel it. When I come to church and I don't feel it, I still keep coming. Immaturity says, I follow when I feel. Spiritual maturity, agape love for God says, this is what God's word says. This is what I'm going to do because this is what he, this is how I show my love to him. And if, and if I feel it, praise the Lord. If I don't feel it, that's still what I'm going to do. It's more a choice of the will and the, and, and, and a decision of the will versus something where it's more of the heart, where it's just, it's more of a feeling kind of a thing. Guys, can we agree this is an area that we can all grow in? I believe that on a Sunday morning, every one of us can say to some degree, we follow because we feel it, but also every one of us, I would, I would dare to say, there's a part of us where we follow when we don't feel it, but we can all grow in this area of agape love for God. And if all, my do, if all I'm doing is relying on my phileo love for the Lord, guys, it will find me fishing again. It will be, I will end up going back to where I used to be. I'll end up finding myself backsliding. And so we'll just take a quick journey with Peter. We're just going to look at just this moment. Jesus is coming, and every time he confronts Peter in, these, in John, 30, John 21, 
And he's saying, do you love me? He's referring back to this moment, the denial that Peter had, but also moments just before that when he's claiming. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at just these few moments in Peter's life where Jesus really starts to warn him and say, you're not, you're, you're not as ready as you think you are. And we're going to learn from this because oftentimes this is exactly where we fall. This is where we fail. Okay, so let's let's pick it right up here in Matthew 26. Matthew 26, we have about three or four points, maybe five. We'll see. The first one is this, is that if we're going to move from phileo to agape, we need to listen to Jesus's warnings. (laughs) He didn't listen to his warnings. Peter just didn't listen to the warning. Let's look at this in verse number 31. Jesus saith unto them, all you shall offend because of me this night. Offend means fall. Okay, it means you trip and fall down. He's saying you guys are gonna trip and fall down. The Bible says the just man falls seven times and riseth up again. Right? That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. So Jesus is warning them. He says, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I'm risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. He's saying, I'm going to fall. I'm going to be crucified. I'll rise you again. I will rise again, Jesus said. And then I will meet you in Galilee. So he's giving them the promise. He's saying, you're going to trip and fall. But guys, when you trip and fall, don't worry. I'll meet you over here. That's the promise. Listen, Christianity is not Christianity is not saying you're never going to trip and fall again. Jesus recognizes the fact that we are flesh and blood. We are humans. And he's warning them and saying, look, I see that you're going to trip and fall. Don't worry. I will meet you. By the way, this in a way is like, hey, he recognizes that we are still sinners after we are saved. Isn't that true? And he didn't say you're going to trip and fall and, 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 and forget you. You're going to forsake me in my, time of, in, in my time of need and support? Forget you. No, he's saying, look, you're going to trip and fall. Don't worry. I'll come back and I'll meet you. What a promise. What a God. When we trip and fall, he doesn't forsake us. So he's warning them, and he's, and he, but he's also in that warning. There's a promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. We can see that here in this promise. But Peter... He didn't listen to the warning. Verse 32, but after I'm risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, now he's getting very precise, very personal. He's boasting. Okay, it's not just you're going to trip and fall, but he's saying, Peter, it's going to be bad for you, buddy, is what he's saying. This is going to be painful for you. In this, you see, he, Peter is not listening to the warning, but then when Jesus gets really precise, it's like Peter is so incredibly boastful of what he's capable of. But then Jesus is very, very precise on Almost the extreme opposite of his boast. 
if he's like on a number 10 over here of a boast, though everybody offends you, I'll not, I will not fall. I, it's just me and you, Jesus. We'll be the last one standing. He had no idea what he was talking about, did he? Do we do that sometimes? Oh, yeah, we do. All right? Jesus is trying to say, not only do you not understand what you're saying over here, you're going to fall harder than any. Guys, we need to take it as a warning that the stronger we feel in the flesh that we're going to be okay, the more vulnerable we are. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. But if our version in that moment or that day is, I can do all things. Oh man, are you going to fall? We've got to listen to his warning. We've got to be sensitive to his warning. Why? Because we're strong in the phileo, but our agape, yeah. When we listen to his warnings, we are growing in our agape for God. God is really the ones that teaches us how to love the way he loves. Isn't that true? God is love, he says. But also as we follow him and we listen to his warnings, he disciples us and leads us and teaches us how to love him the way he loves us and thereby how to love other people the way he loves us. But we're never going to do that if we're not sensitive to his warnings. So here's the question. Are you sensitive to his warnings? In your mind, when's the last time God said, here's a warning, don't do that. Or here's a teaching, change that. The Holy Spirit says, don't go there. God warns you and says, don't do that. Maybe even a Christian friend, maybe even a pastor, maybe something I've said in a sermon, maybe something I've had to say to you, which I can't think of anything in my mind right now, so I'm not directing this toward any one person. But God warns us. And if we are sensitive in that moment, we will grow in our agape love for the Lord. If we're not sensitive in the moment, we're, we're saying, no, no, I've got this. And our phileo, our feeling love for God is, we feel like we're pretty strong, but really we're strong in ourselves. We're not strong in the Lord. We've got to be sensitive to his warnings. Are you sensitive to his warnings? It goes hand in hand with being sensitive to his warnings, we can see right here in verse number 33, he exaggerated his personal strength. These things go hand in hand. He, he's, he's kind of just brushing the warning away. Yeah, okay, Jesus, yeah, but let me tell you. Oh, oh really? You're going to correct him, are you? You're going to tell him the way things really are? Yeah, your perspective is a little off, Jesus. Let me tell you what's really going on. Wow. Okay. He exaggerated his personal strength. When we get the warning, we need to take that into account. We need to slow down. We need to, we, we need to, we need to retreat back and say, maybe I'm being too strong in my own stubbornness here. And maybe I need to take his warning into account. But Peter didn't do that. Instead, he just exaggerated his own personal strength. He exaggerated his own personal strength. We renew a healthy perspective of ourselves when we come to worship God without God constantly correcting 
our perspective, we are prone either to one or two things. We see ourselves as so insignificant and worthless that we fall deeply into depression, perhaps even suicidal thoughts. Perhaps we're prone towards addiction because we see ourselves as nothing. And when we come to worship God, God gives us a healthy perspective of ourselves by showing us who we are and also who he is. But also, if we don't allow God to correct our perspective on the other extreme side, we can think, I am so strong. I am so good. I am so awesome. I've got this Christianity thing down. I am fine. And the warning, I don't need warnings. I'm, I don't need warnings. I'm fine. And that is pride. Peter said in John 13, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Exaggerated. Psalm 39, verse four, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. You know something that happens when we come for gathered worship? God reminds me how small I am. Sometimes out in the world, I can kind of think of myself as being pretty big. I'm pretty good. I think I've got this. But then we come into worship. God reminds me how big he is and how small I am. He reminds me that I am dependent, not independent. In the world of Christianity, in the world of truth, what we need more of is to remind ourselves how much we need him, not how much we don't need him. We need the Lord. And Peter did not learn that lesson. He was depending too much on his feelings and on his passion. Look at this, also verse 33. Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. We see, first of all, He didn't listen to Jesus's warning. He exaggerated his personal strength. Number three, he compared himself constantly to others to prove his love for Christ. He compared himself constantly to others to prove his love for Christ. Though all men shall offend, yet will not I. Comparing himself constantly to others. Well, compared to them, Jesus, I'm doing pretty good. The warning comes. We hear the sermon, we read it in his word. The Holy Spirit brings the truth up to our mind. The Holy Spirit warns us and we say, yeah, but but look at them. I know this other Christian, this other person, they can do that or they're not doing that or look at them or look at that. And And we disregard the warning because we're comparing ourselves to other people. Compared to other people, I think I'm doing pretty good. So just leave me alone and let me be strong in my own way is kind of what Peter was saying. When we start to compare ourselves to others as a way to justify ourselves to not follow the warning, we are on our way to falling in our faith. Oh, let's look at this one. Look at verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane and saith unto the disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. Yonder, I like that. Then, took, then he took with him, what's that name? Peter. Peter. He took Peter with him. He warns him 
And Peter says, oh, I'm fine. Matter of fact, I'm more than fine. I'm incredibly fine. I'm stronger than anybody here. Then Jesus says, okay, all right. Isn't Isn't it so amazing that Jesus still takes him into Gethsemane with him? After this huge boast, right? After this huge boast, Jesus still says, yeah, okay, come on, Peter. He's so kind and he's so gracious and he gives us chance after chance after chance after chance. He takes Peter with him. He began to be sorrowful and very heavy. But what happens, at, what happens to Peter? Verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter. <laughs> he says unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? The next point is, we find ourselves about to fall when we don't pray. This is simple, but this is something we overlook all the time. Prayer is kind of in the back of our mind. Isn't it interesting that we'll, he followed Jesus to the place of prayer, but he didn't actually pray? How many of you have ever done this before? You get down on your knees or you get in your place of prayer. You've got your list out. Or maybe you, uh, some people pray in the subway, they close their eyes, they've got, like, wherever you can be alone, you're praying silently, wherever that is, in your mind. <laughs> we all do that, right? Because we're human beings, right? But at the same time, we can be like, no, we've got to focus. We've actually got to pray. Peter, listen, when we find ourselves boastful, Dismissing the warnings and passing up opportunities to pray? Wow, we're, we're about to find ourselves in trouble. When that time of temptation comes, when that time of testing comes, we are going to fall. We're going to fall. We'll not be growing in agape. We're growing in our feelings. The next one is this. Look at verse number. Verse number. Let's go to John 18. We'll look at this one. We'll be done. John 18. Story with Peter is fascinating in the fact that Jesus brings it up after John 18 and verse 10. Some of these details you can't just find in one of the gospels. You have to look at the different ones. And that's why it's so incredible to have all four of the gospels. John 18. They come to arrest Jesus. And it says here in verse number 10, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Isn't it interesting that his name is known? What is, what is Peter doing here? Okay, He's disregarding the warning. He's comparing himself and saying, Jesus, I'm fine. 
Jesus specifically gives Peter an opportunity to pray at least for a couple of hours. He gives him opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. By the way, Jesus, Jesus went and prayed and came back to the disciples. How many times did that happen? There's three times. How many times did Peter deny? And how many times did Jesus ask Peter, do you love me? Three times. Guys, listen, it is, it is especially important when you feel something in your spirit that says you need to pray. Does God do that for us? He absolutely does that. There is occasions when we have planned prayer, but then we also have occasions of unplanned prayer where the Holy Spirit will wake us up in the middle of the night. I don't know why I'm awake. And it needs to come into your mind. You need to be praying for something. God has something for you to be praying about. In, in, in those moments, we, we, we listen to podcasts, we listen to music, we listen to the news. Nothing is wrong with any of these things, but we need to redeem some of the time that we have in our life and allow, give God an opportunity to say, hey, why don't you spend this five minutes in prayer for this or that? That thing, hey, we have five minutes to worry about something. Let's give five minutes instead to pray about that thing. He had an opportunity to pray. He disregarded it. Then he wakes up from not praying. He wakes up from his nap. It's late at night. Here comes these guys out with all of their weapons and they're coming to arrest Jesus. And Peter, in his sleepy state, and it's, and it's dark, he's got a sword and he whips it out and starts swinging it. I think I just broke my microphone. That's okay. You guys can still hear me. He starts swinging it. Isn't it interesting sometimes how we can overcompensate? We're not, we're not actually filled with the Spirit. We're not actually being controlled by the Spirit. We're trying to overcompensate because we've not actually prayed. We're trying to overcompensate because we haven't listened to the warning. We're trying to overcompensate because we're just saying, well, according to other people and by comparison to other people, I think I'm doing pretty good. You see this slow progression with Peter. And we'll go back to Matthew chapter number 26 and we'll look at the end of the story. Matthew 26. Jesus gets arrested. Look at verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off. Unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now, according, let, let's compare what's happening here with his boast. It's pretty different. Though all men forsake you, I'll not forsake you. That's kind of sort of true, but kind of not true. I'll die with you, Jesus. Yeah, that's not happening here. He's following from a pretty safe distance. And he's only watching. Guys, listen, 
As a Christian, do you find yourself following Jesus from a safe distance and watching? Or do you find yourself actually following him and being willing to publicly identify with him? Yes, I'm a Christian. No, I don't have all the answers. But yes, I'm with him. And participating. A Christian who is sitting back and not publicly identifying with Jesus. And their Christianity consists mostly of observation. Is more on the phileo love. God wants to bring all of us into the action. Again, you look at the book of Acts and you see a different Peter. After this conversation with Jesus in John 21, you go to Acts chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Peter's right in the middle. He's not sitting back watching. Man, he's right in the middle. He's, 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 he is, he, he's very bold. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid. He's on his knees praying all night in the prison. It's a different Peter. He has graduated in some degree from a phileo Christian to an agape Christian. Not a perfect Christian, one that will still fall. But it's not based so much on his feelings. He's listening to the warnings. He is intent on being full of the Holy Spirit. He sat with the servants to see the end. Verse 69. Now Peter sat without in the palace. And a damsel came unto him saying, Thou also wast with, it, wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Again, I love him more than anybody loves him. Isn't it one thing to be boastful of your Christianity in the middle of all the Christians? And then another thing when you're out with a bunch of unbelievers. Where were you Sunday? I was with friends. No, actually, you were at church. <laughs> I was with some friends. We had some food. No, it's called a church fellowship. You got to say the CH word, guys. I went to church. Ugh. Then they'll know. They'll know I'm a Christian. And it's going to change everything. Exactly. Paul said in Romans 1, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. We need to allow the Lord to develop this in our life where our Christianity doesn't just exist in I've got this flimsy boastfulness in the middle of Christians and in my mind I'm saying I'm better than anybody here. Or better than anybody there. But we take the warnings to heart. And we take prayer as a personal challenge to spend time with Jesus. And then when I'm out, I'm not following afar off trying to follow a safe distance where I'm never really confronted about my faith. I'm not just, I'm not just trying to play both sides. That's the most miserable life to live is for a Christian to try to play both sides. Most miserable person in this world is a Christian trying to play both sides. 
Choose you this day whom you will serve, it says in Joshua. Right? Choose the Lord's side. You can see here very clearly, he's, he, he is following with a phileo love. When he's following Jesus afar off, did he love Jesus? Yeah. But he was following him with a love that only felt. You see, you can only have agape love if it's fueled with prayer. You can only have an agape love if you're sensitive to his word and his warnings. You can only have an agape love if, 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 my, if, my, if, if my Christianity is not dependent on comparing myself to others, but instead, Jesus alone, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see in my heart, Jesus? That's agape love. That means we're growing in our love for God. And he warns again and again and again because A day is coming when, listen, you will be tested to a degree that if you are victorious, you will go on to do greater things for the Lord. But you will also be tested to a a degree, perhaps in your family, perhaps at work, perhaps with some old friends. But you will be tested to a degree that if you deny the Lord in that situation, it can have a permanent impact on the trajectory of the rest of your life. We need to grow in agape love. We need to grow in agape love. Three times, three times. Verse 75, verse 74. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew, Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now, thank God that's not the end of the story. We've all failed him. We've all found ourselves in the phileo love. We know Jesus. We love Jesus. We know that we're saved. But in an immature faith, in an immature day, in a, in a time that we've made bad choices, we failed him in various ways. And in Peter's case, he failed him horribly. But isn't it just like Jesus, after we failed him, for him to come back and say, hey, let's talk about that failure. Not so that Jesus, listen, not so that Jesus can rub your face in it. He doesn't do that. He does it so that he can make us clean again. He does that so just like Marcus when he's out playing all day long and he's covered. He has no idea how how dirty he is. He doesn't care until we're like, Marcus, you need to go in the bathroom and look at yourself. (laughs) He's like, oh, wow, you know, and he's scrub, scrub, scrub. That's why Jesus comes after us. He comes after us. He comes after Peter because, listen, we may love him with a phileo love, but he will never love us with a phileo love. Agape love comes back to the fallen Christian and says, let's talk about what happened so that you can get up. Our relationship can be clean and pure again and to give you an opportunity to go from a fishing boat to a Pentecost. From just fishing with your buddies and everything being fine to now going on to being willing to 
lovingly sacrifice for the gospel's sake and for God to use Peter in an amazing way where 3,000 people get saved. Listen, for every one of us, there is a victory in the future. I'm not saying if you'll, if, if you'll follow the Lord that you'll have 3,000 people saved in the future. That was, that was for Peter, right? That was, that was God's plan for him. But I'm saying for our lives personally, God has something for our future, but we have to be willing to follow him to go from a phileo feeling love to a more mature agape love for God. And that happens when we're willing to listen to the warnings. We're not comparing ourselves. We're not making all these boasts. It's very personal. We're really willing to listen to pray and depend on him for strength. We're not looking to keep a safe distance away, but we're really to be ready to be engaged. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.